It may be a little bit simpler this morning. We're only dealing with two scriptures. It's a scripture too that most of you have heard. But I hope maybe we can deal with it this morning in such a way that it will benefit you in your attempts at trying to live for Jesus Christ in a manner that would would create a blessing from God and you could have a blessed life by living in that life. First scripture comes from the 11th chapter of Matthew. Turn there if you would please. The title of the song is Come Unto Me. Chapter 11 of Matthew and verse 28 starts out, and I'll read all three verses first. Jesus says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. My yoke is easy, and my burden is light. You know, we preach here and have for years that Jesus was sent not only to save us, give us a path of salvation, but to show us how we needed to live too. And it's a good exercise just to go through the four Gospels at least and to read about the way Jesus responded to everything that came into his life. Jesus calls us peculiar people, weird people, and he was weird too because he didn't do a lot of the things that people expected him to do. In fact, of the business of Pharisees had plenty to talk about with the things that he did that they did not approve of. So let's go and look at, at each part of this. And he starts out by saying, Come unto me. Now I think that has two applications. One is to the believer and one is to the unbeliever. Of course it means if you do not believe that Jesus is calling you to come to him and become a believer. But I think there's an application here too to believers. And the point I want to try to make today is this. There are so many believers or people who say they're believers who claim to be a child of God and be in the family of God that don't live like Jesus lived. And we see more and more of them as we go along. And so I think there is an appeal from Jesus to come unto him from people who are brothers and sisters to him who are not living in the manner that he lived. And so many of them that I've noticed seem to think it's okay to live that way. He says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. Now, those words are very interesting in the way that they were used when he said them. 
What he's saying is, come unto me, all ye that feel fatigued and wore out. And are overloaded with anxiety. That's the description he's saying here from the words, the de- definition of the words, that way they were used in that day. He's not talking about somebody that works hard and is a little bit tired. He's talking about people who are overloaded and they're anxious. They've they got anxiety and they've got stress and they're stressed out. And, and, and I hear so many times today people say, I'm just so tired. It's a matter of priorities. And that's what we'll be talking about today. It's choice. It's choosing. Having priorities and not trying to do everything that everybody says you're supposed to do. Let me sidetrack just a little bit. If you will turn to Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 10 because they make a point. Solomon makes a point in, in, in Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 10. He says, The heart knowing its own bitterness. The heart knows, your heart, my heart, knows its own bitterness. And a stranger does not intermeddle with your heart's joy. So what Solomon is saying here is that we know our own bitterness in our own heart and we know our own joy. And really and truly, if you get down to it, nobody can completely understand exactly what we feel. But we know what we feel. Our joy is our own. And our bitterness is our own. The word empathy means to understand what's going on. Understand the acts and the actions of yourself and other people. And that empathy means if you really feel if you really know what you're feeling like, you have to be a part of what's going on. We have people that we share our lives with that we really get to know the kind of problems they're going through. And we share some of their problems sometimes, but according to him, and I believe it's true, that nobody can completely share when we're down. They don't know how we feel. And they don't really know how to, how to, in, to, to, to understand when we're enjoying something, our joy. That's a very personal thing. And what he's saying, no one can share 
your deepest hurts or your deepest joys. They just say that they, they can't understand, not really. And you know that. He says in verse 28 that heavy laden, that means overloaded with anxiety. It's not about overloading with a load. It's talking about that you're stressed out. That's what we say today. And you know, I've been doing some studying about the effects of our lifestyle on heart disease. And stress is the number one factor. And most all of us in stress have a choice. We find ourselves stressed out. We can choose not to be as busy or going as fast as we go and constantly. I mean, the word I think about, don't y'all, I mean, laugh if you want to. It's just an old crazy preacher. You've seen Pepe Le Pew, right? The cartoon, the skunk that's trying to court this little old black and white cat. And the look of anxiety is her plastered up against the wall like that and he's trying to talk love to her and all this kind of stuff and she's just (laughs) like that trying to stay away from him. I think that's what the anxiety is all about is that little old cat trying to get away from Pepe Le Pew. And that's the way we all are but we don't see ourselves that way. We think we've got to be that way. I thought about what a fellow called working real hard about a hundred years ago or so. So many people got out and plowed, plowed the ground. The farmers plowed with mules. And there's a lot of difference between walking all day behind a slow mule than there is in following a car three car lengths behind on the interstate going 85 mile an hour. One will give you stress and the other really won't. But you see, it was was forced on us to have to follow that slow mule. I mean, when you got into the day, you've heard people talk about a good tired. You know what a good tired is. That's completely tired, but you feel so good about what you've gotten done that day and your nerves are not on end in doing that. You've had a hard day, but it's been a good tired. That's not what this is talking about. This is when you got a bad tired, and you're strung out, and your nerves are at, a, at, at, at wit's end, and that's what Jesus, that's who he's talking to. If you find yourself in this place, he says, come unto me. Because I'll give you rest. That rest, the definition of that rest is just ease. It's just, I'll make it easy for you, he says. And that's what he's talking about. And that's who he's talking to. I don't think anybody runs any faster today than we do. Each generation seems like it's got a, a faster way to go.
He says in this world, ye shall have tribulation. The world itself will try to put you in that place. But you know Satan, Jesus said, came to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He'll steal your peace of mind. He'll kill you if he can. And occasionally we see a situation where somebody dies without accepting Christ. That's Satan's ultimate goal. Because see, once you're dead, you have no chance at being part of Jesus. But if you can't do either one of those, he can destroy your relationship with God. He can destroy your testimony with other people by creating circumstances that make you look bad and having people run you down, try to destroy your reputation. He's in that business. And once you're a Christian, that's about all he can do to you. Now look at verse 29. This is a big verse. We've talked for three hours on this verse. Verse 29, Jesus says, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. Now that whole idea of take my yoke upon you, you see Jesus is referring to a situation that he thinks that most of the people listening to him will completely understand. I mean as late as some of our photos back there in, in the fellowship hall, we've got a wagon in front of this store right here next door with two young steers hooked to it, and they're yoked together. That hadn't been but about a hundred years ago. And folks were still using them then. And the interesting thing about all that, of course I got a trainer's mind, that's what I'm thinking about. How in the world do you get a steer to pull a wagon? I mean, that, that picture that we've got in there has got three or four women sitting up in the wagon. And they don't look like they're any kind of cowboys or whatever, you know I mean? If those steers got away from them, they could tump them over or hurt somebody. But the way they do that is take a young one that's not broke to pull a wagon and they put that yoke on him. They rope him and pull him up to one that's already broke and understands all the commands and is steady and they know they can depend on to do what they tell him to do. And they force this other one up next to him and hook that yoke on him. Once they get that yoke on him, he can't go anywhere but where the, the other one goes. They talked about matching up the leg stride to where they won't have one that's got a long stride and one that's got a short stride. They'll walk along together with the same length of, of legs. And they say you, you hook that young green one up with that other one and in two weeks he's working. 
And it doesn't take anything but just catching him and hooking him up to that thing because he can't go anywhere but where the one you're talking to goes. And when you tell the other one to come up, this one either goes with him or gets drugged. And they fight the yoke some. And they say those broke ones just stand there and let that one fight. It's what you call compliance. They're forced to do it. They don't have a choice. The neat thing about us and using that expression Jesus used with us, we've got a choice. Jesus is saying, take my yoke. And what that actually means is you go as fast as I go, you don't go any faster than I go, you don't go any slower than I go, and you go right alongside of me in everything you do or it's going to hurt your neck. And the picture he's creating here with take my yoke upon you is you do it like I do it or you get hurt. And isn't that the whole picture of what God said? I put a choice with you. What we was talking about a while ago, Ron. You got a choice for a blessing or a curse. You can choose what you're going to do and what you're not going to do. Now the world is out there. Satan's in control. And it's trying its best to destroy you and your testimony for Jesus Christ. And the world puts all this stuff at you, and you've got a choice to make. And I think that's what Jesus is saying here. Come unto me. Don't choose to go with the world. Our Bible says, let this mind be in you that was also in Jesus Christ. If you think like Jesus thinks, you won't be like Ferdinand the Bull trying to stop and smell every flower. You'll walk along with Jesus because you're yoked together. You understand that I am, I've got to go like Jesus went. And if I do that, my life is going to be blessed. Well, once you walk along, yoked together, like those two oxen do, the green one finds out the best thing he can do is stay right in the middle of that yoke, not be pulling or fighting or slowing down or speeding up, but walking just like Jesus walks. That's the picture. And it's a good picture. The only thing is, we have to force ourselves to do that because we're not being forced to do it. But the thing is, and this is the thing we understand, that God is creating circumstances in our life that makes us think it's common sense and a whole lot better for us if we act like Jesus instead of acting like the world does. Now that's the problem that I see. We got so many that claim to be with Jesus and they're living like the world. They don't make the right choices and they suffer just like the unbelievers suffer. Now you can expect them to, but we should have a lot more sense than that. 
And Jesus is working with the Holy Spirit that's inside of us to try to get us to make those right decisions. James says, faith without works is dead. So you see, it's really, let this mind be in you, but the way Jesus works in our scripture is this, and it says it from one end to the other. By their works you shall know them. Your lifestyle with people who don't know you well, they look at what you do, they look at what you say, they look at your love, they look at your compassion, and they try to figure out what's going on with you. And once they see that you're real, then it gives them an inclination to want to be like you. He says, I'm lowly, and I'm meek. I'm not trying to win the world. I'm not trying to show off to everybody. It said, you know, that when people started giving him trouble, when the Pharisees and the, the priests and all started giving him trouble, Jesus was the kind that could just melt into the crowd and could nobody find him. Now that tells me right there, if Jesus in two minutes could melt into a crowd of people and the priests couldn't find him, he didn't look like he does in those pictures. He looked like some kind of beautiful fellow that stays in the gym all the time or something like that. Jesus was just an average. It says in Scripture, there wasn't anything about him that would make him stand out. He's just an ordinary guy. And when he wanted to, he could just kind of disappear. And it wasn't a miracle. He could just disappear in the crowd. You couldn't find him. Learn of me, he said. Now that's sanctification. Because once you believe in, the, in, in the, 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 the gospel of Jesus Christ, Jesus starts cleaning you up. And he says, go along with that. Let me clean you up. Let me change you to have the mind like I got. And see, he, what scripture says, that whom he has set free, you're free indeed. You're free to choose whatever you want to do. But he's saying, come unto me and choose to be like me. That's what the whole program's about. But now here's the problem. I think most folks I've talked to, that's the problem. They look at the promises that Jesus said. And if you go with me, I'll bless your life. Your life will be better than the unbelievers around you. And so they're sitting there waiting on God to change their life to be real easy. And they're not making any of the right choices to do that. Because you see, the blessed life comes from the choices we make, from the works that we do from what people see about our life. That what brings us the good life. You rest when your lifestyle choices put you in, a per, in perpetual stress 
as a lifestyle. When your choice about how you live every day, what you do, what, how early you get up, how hard you run, and all that you plan to do for everybody else, that lifestyle causes a lot of stress. You don't look at Jesus and see him going off into the wilderness to pray. And the wilderness in the Bible, y'all, it's not talking about the desert or 10 miles down in the woods. The word wilderness and the word desert, those two words in the, in the, in the, in, in the King James were places where there weren't anybody else. That's all it meant. He just went off where there wasn't anybody else. He was by himself to pray to the Father to get enough strength to put up with this world and Satan and what all it tried to do to undermine his lifestyle. Satan sicks the world on us, trying to destroy our relationship with God. You think about it a minute. One fellow said, we have a tendency to spend money we don't have, to buy things we don't need, to impress people we don't even know or even like. We do that. That's not very smart. We got credit cards, and we got them loaded up from one end to the other, buying stuff that we don't have the money to buy. And we've got these deals. You know, I see them every day on TV. You can buy this whole house full of furniture and you don't even have to make a payment for two years. And when you do, there won't be much interest on it. All that stuff is bombarded on us every day trying to destroy our blessings. Take those blessings away from us. And God says, you can choose not to do any of that stuff and you won't have any stress your life will be a lot slower and you'll get along with the Lord a whole lot better than you do. They say now that 70% of the people that live in the United States, I don't know how they came up with this, but that's what they're saying, that 70% of the people in the United States don't have $400 cash money set back somewhere to take care of an emergency. 70%. They spend it quick as they get it. That'll cause stress. <laughs> now all these car ads. What did that fellow say? The worst thing you can do is have a car that's broke down, not have any money, enough to fix it. Can't even drive to work. They bring up all that stuff to you to get you to do things to spend your money in another place. To get you where you don't have stress. But the very fact that you don't have any money left makes stress. And a lot of people don't see that. My mama used to tell us after she got older, son, if you can ever outgrow outlast your desire to spend money, you can be really well off because you've got enough coming in. You just don't work so hard to try to spend it all.
verse 30. For my yoke is easy. Jesus says, when you figure out the way I looked at things, let this mind be in you. He saw things like that. Your yoke will be easy. Now there's something else that's part of that analogy of yoking up with Jesus. When you yoke two animals, somebody was always pulling with the other one. It never, never got to pull by itself. And if the ox driver's got any sense at all, he'll reach up there and pop one of them with that whip on the backside when he slows down to make him pull with the other. But the thing is, if the young ox ever got scared that he wasn't going to be able to pull, all he had to do was think about, I've got the, the big ox over here this taking the most of the load, and we're doing it together. And if I'll help him, maybe he'll help me, and we'll get along together. That's the whole thing about you and Jesus, y'all working together, helping each other. You do your part, he does his part. And the burden is lighter. The burden of life, this living, is lighter. Overloading your mind. That's what he's talking about. Anxiety. Living a lifestyle that keeps you uptight all the time. Sometimes, almost frantic speed. We don't have self-control. Something you understand too. They say, I've never driven oxen. I've sat and watched them for hours. And I'm amazed at what people can do with them. Pulling logs out of a swamp, something like that, where a mule or a horse can't go because the ground's too soft for their feet. A man that handles oxen never puts a load behind them that they can't pull because they'll quit pulling. And when they quit pulling, they find out that they don't have to pull. And when one finds out he doesn't have to pull, then that's when you got to get on him with a whip and change his mind. So our master, in this analogy, if he's a good master, he won't ever give us too much to pull because he don't want us to quit pulling. Sometimes they just quit pulling and lay down. I can remember Jimmy Thrasher's daddy told me that he had an ox pulled to a cart down in Centerville when he was a boy. And the ox got where he was bad to lay down. I don't know whether he tried to make him pull too much or not, but he'd balk on him and he'd lay down. And I said, well, Mr. Thrasher, how'd you get him up? He said, the only way I knew was to build a fire up under him. <laughs> he ever told you that story? Yeah. He said, when he lays down, I just start a little fire, gather me up some dead grass or something, start a fire and he'll get up. 
a good ox, works for a living, not too smart. Ox not known to be too smart. They slow, and they're heavy, and they work a lot. The Bible says where the ox is in Proverbs, one of the Proverbs is where the ox is, the crib is clean. In other words, if you got an ox, it takes a lot of feed to feed him. He'll clean that crib up. But it says in the next line, much work is done by the strength of an ox. It's kind of like buying a, a big dozer or something, I guess. It takes a lot to keep it going, but you can do a lot of work with it. You can make a lot of money, the bigger machine you got. And that was the point they were trying to make. That if you've got a big ox, you can do a lot of work, but it's gonna, you're going to have to feed him. But a good ox works for a living, and he does what he's told. That's the most simple advice in the whole world. It's for a Christian, for one that belongs to God and God's family. Just to do your job. He talks about that in Thessalonians. Them that don't work, don't eat. Do your job. Work hard. Do what you're told. And you have a blessed life. Most of us that had to work for a living understand that. We don't cause trouble. We kind of get along, try to get along. And if we do that, we'll see that we get along pretty good. And that's what Jesus is trying to tell us as Christians. Don't live like those unbelievers live. You notice, take a lesson from them. They make choices that make life hard for them. You need to be smarter than that. Now God will give you rest if you just make the right choices. So allow Jesus to do what he promises right there he'll do. And make a choice like he would make. And we'll all be better off because of it. Let's pray. Father, thank you for teaching us a practical lesson. Something that everybody can understand. Jesus tells us to choose to slow down. To be like him. To think like him. Not get covered up with stress. When things get too heavy for us, just to pull off by ourselves and have a little talk with Jesus. As the song says, Everything will work out right. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.